This is small tennis. This is gonna be so easy. I got. I think I got pickled. It was like 211, 311. Maybe I progressed a little bit. He had only played four times at that point or something. So I just thought this is ridiculous. So I went and bought my own paddles. Hit with my brother and then just the same thing as speed cubing. As soon as I did it, I thought this is amazing. This is all I want to do. My wife immediately was like, "Yeah, this is the next, the next thing for you that you're going to be addicted to." have an episode today that is absolutely representative of the future of pickleball. This game started 50 years ago. Mostly people from my generation went along for decades that way. And in the last five years, the introduction of young people into the game, young people both in the sport of the game and the industry of the game. Our guest today is a fellow named Chris Olson. You might not believe it, we are not related. But I want to make sure that we're clear on that. Chris has got a really interesting background that we're going to get into. He was a podcaster before he was a pickleball player. He's famous, maybe infamous, in the speed cubing world. I'm going to ask him to explain specifically so I, I, we get that right. But I want to welcome Chris Olson to the future of pickleball. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Cool. Let's start with the fact that you, you were in the podcasting world how long? You've been doing that quite a while. Well, so not so much podcasting, but YouTube. I mean, there's a lot There's a lot of overlap in that world, but YouTube I've probably done since I was like 12. It was way more casual when I was younger, but through my teen years, it, it picked up pretty progressively because of speed cubing. I made pretty decent money for like a 16-year-old So on let's YouTube. touch on speed cubing. A lot of yeah. people may not understand what that is and what you're what you did in that. Yeah, it's just uh, solving Rubik's Cube as fast as you can. So I got into that when I was 12, realized there was competitions. I was always a super competitive person. So once I learned about that, went to my first one, it just like took off. So I held a couple world records for it, for the two by two Rubik's Cube. And then, I mean- How fast is a world record? So there's two types of world records. There's a single solve. So you, the fastest solve ever done, and then there's an average. Average is every round you do, you solve it five times. They take out your best solve and they take out your worst, and they average the middle three. So I held the average time three times, and my average time on the two by two was 1.71 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> That's nuts. Yeah, That's yeah. Nuts. So that was like half my life was spent solving Rubik's Cubes until recent. And then in terms of video production, yeah. you've gotten credit on the video on the Pickleball Studio of having some of the highest quality production. Your content is great. You're a young guy. How did you develop these skills to be able to do this? Yeah, I mean, it, again, pretty much all came from speed cubing. Like, I progressively got more interested in cameras. Like, if you're going to do YouTube, you probably care a little bit about cameras. And then as I got more serious about YouTube, it just felt like video as a whole was gonna be my career path. So the only job I've ever had is video production. Um, so I did it in the speed cubing world. Once I was phasing out of that a little bit, I was doing all my own freelance work, corporate, documentaries, pretty much anything you can think of that needs a video, I've probably shot it. And then now into pickleball, which just kind of goes back to what I did in speed cubing, which was a lot of YouTube, working with brands and navigating spaces like that. Perfect. I want to come back to this in a minute, but I want to yeah. jump out for the second. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about now 
How and when did you get into pickleball as a player first? Yeah, so it was about a year and a half, April 2021, I believe. I just had a friend that one day said, you want to come play pickleball? And I said, well, thanks, pickleball. I've never yeah. heard of that before. And uh, we went out, and he was like, you played tennis. You'll probably like it. So we got out there, and he has no racket sports background. He's played soccer, so I just thought, I'm going to absolutely destroy you. This is, this is small tennis. This is going to be so easy. I, got, I think I got pickled. It was like 211, 3'11". Maybe <laughs> I progressed a little bit. He had only played four times at that point or something, so I just thought, this is... Ridiculous. So I went and bought my own paddles, hit with my brother, and then just the same thing as speed cubing. As soon as I did it, I thought, this is amazing. This is all I want to do. My wife immediately was like, yeah, this is the next, the next thing for you that you're going to be addicted to. And that's exactly what happened. So then with that, so you're only talking about a year and a half ago, you've made a pretty strong presence with the yeah. Pickleball Studio. How did, when did that segue come about? Yeah, it's really funny because I told all my friends I was going through some pretty severe burnout in video production. Right as I was getting into pickleball, I was contemplating career changes, uh, trying to pick up some new skills. And then I told everyone, I said, I will never mix pickleball and video production. I was like, I want this to be a hobby. I, I want to have fun. I do not want to mix work with this because that's kind of what happened with speed Speedcube. I got burnt out on it because of video a little bit. And uh, then about two months later, I made a YouTube video for one of my friends pickleball brands and that video blew up it was 30k views really fast and look i started looking at youtube videos and i was like huh it seems like there's a lot of space for there to be better videos so i made another video under my own pickleball studio brand and that video i probably had a thousand subscribers in like a week and oh, so wow. i was just like holy cow that like this was really well received i should probably try and do more of this cool now let's talk then about the content yeah so at Selkirk and Selkirk TV, we're very familiar with you and what you do in your paddle reviews and paddle yeah. testing. Um, talk a little bit about that and, and both what it has exposed you to from the different technologies, the different yeah. approaches of manufacturers, and what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I mean, I've probably, I've hit every major brand of pickleball that exists. Like, if there is a relevant pickleball paddle, I've almost certainly hit it, even lesser known brands I've, you know, I try and hit as much as I possibly can. And it's been really interesting just in the year that I've been in it to kind of see how the landscape has changed and potentially where it's headed. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's very fascinating to be in because my whole goal is like be as non-biased as possible. When I came in, I was looking at everyone and it just seemed everyone was sponsored by someone. And so when they gave an opinion on something, it was kind of like, <laughs> How, what do I do with this? Like, I know you're not going to tell me, go buy from this brand when you work with this brand. So sure. in speed cubing, that was kind of my same thing. It was, I wasn't affiliated with any brand. I talk freely about whoever I want. And that's my goal in Pickleball is if you come to my channel, you will get the least biased information that you can. Like, you just get it how it is. The only bias you're going to have is just my tendencies of what works for my body type, right? Like, everyone's right. body's different. So that's the only bias you'll see. But as far as with companies, like, yeah. So, so, so on that order, one of the things that I thought was going to be fun when we arranged this interview was the fact that you possibly have the most unique perspective in the sport because you've had so many different brands, you've had so many different companies tell you what their secret sauce was yeah. or what to look for. Given that, what's your sense of how the rate of technological movement is coming? 
Yeah, I think that's interesting. So in the year I've been in it, there's definitely been some interesting changes. I mean, raw carbon fiber was around when I started, I believe, but it became significantly more popular in the last year. Uh, edge foam in paddles. Uh, Gearbox has made some pretty interesting stuff. But for the most part, I wouldn't say it's been huge leaps. It's more like quality of life improvements that make paddles better as a whole. A lot of companies have started to stop having the exposed polymer on the top and bottom of handles. Now it's more like a tennis racket where it's a really solid handle. Edge foam kind of makes the sweet spot feel better. Grit has improved from what it was. Like when I started doing RPM tests and spin numbers, they were way lower. In the last year, companies have really stepped that up. So there's that's been a nice improvement. But I would say a lot of the technology is, seems to be the same. It's just they're kind of getting little bumps that take them up a notch. I have a feeling the next two or three years is when we're going to see big leaps that kind of make what we have now feel a little more outdated. Cool. Now, where the where the uh... Paddle designs, paddle specs, paddle requirements, all are guided by USA Pickleball. Yeah. Do you have any interaction with them in your as you go into your testing, or do you simply are you simply aware of what their requirements are? Yeah, I'm just I'm just aware of what their requirements are. I haven't. There's not much I think I could talk to them about that would be too relevant for my reviews. Because one thing I try and balance when I do these videos is I have to remember. There's people like me who are super nerds and they want to know every single little number you could possibly extract from a paddle. And then there's also people who are just much more recreational and they just want to know, is it a good paddle or not a good paddle? Sure. Is, is it a good price? And now tell me, so with the, the Pickleball Studio and the amount of content you've put in the marketplace, what kind of feedback do you get? What, what's the response from the marketplace? Yeah, I mean, overwhelmingly, it's extremely positive. I get, I get told all the time, we think you make the best content in the game. I love how you present stuff. It feels professional. Really like it. The editing is great. Uh, occasionally, I mean, everyone always has that hater or two. Uh, one, some com uh, people will comment and say, you always talk positive about this one brand. Like, why? And then I say to them, if you go back and watch this review from that brand, I was not nice to them. <laughs> I think what happens is people find my channel. They see two or three good reviews from one brand, and then they just assume, He's never mean to them. They, you know, I have a lot of videos, so I don't expect them to watch them all. But those comments are funny to me because I've been pretty harsh on almost every brand. Yeah. Well, and it's 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 interesting. I know when I met you, um, I don't know if you recall, I'd commented that I spent my entire life in the sporting goods industry. Yeah. Um, product review is such a necessary component yeah. in the sport uh, but it is uh, by the nature of it you know it's here's the facts just yeah. the facts let's go take it and run with it so that's kind of cool so now taking that little kind of build up yep let's segue into what the future of pickleball really talks about sure do you see any trends do you see any tendencies that you, that you could identify that you think the marketplace will begin to see in let's say the next year two years maybe three years as far as paddles go let's start with paddles yeah i think the next big thing that i think almost every company is going to start offering is the foam injection uh, i think i think it's pretty much definitively better than having no foam i the only downside has been maybe you add some head weight but I think people will probably find ways around that. I think in the next year, you're going to see everyone update what they have with that, market it a little bit differently. But beyond that, it's hard to say. I think edgeless is going to be another big one. I think edge guards in 
three or five years are going to look pretty outdated. I, I, there are benefits to having an edge guard, but I think in terms of durability, it's way better if you don't have one. Sure. Cool. Loose edge guards are always what the consumer complains about or has to warranty. So you take that away, you eliminate a lot of warranties. So now I know an awful lot of people in the sport. Mm -hmm. In preparation for this, I was talking to a lot of people who might know you or not. I understand you're maybe the finest 3-5 player in the game. <laughs> yes. Is that is that true, or is there maybe you're being teased a little bit? Definitely being teased. So my friend, Pickleball Will, who I run my podcast with, there was some episode, I don't even remember exactly how it started, but he just made the joke, you're 3-5 at best, and it, everyone just ran with it. So I'm just copying. That's all I'm doing, huh? Yeah, yeah. Everyone, it just, it became this bandwagon, and now it, it feels like it's part of my brand, and I can't really get away from it. People will come up to me and be like, hey, you're the best 3.5 player I've seen. Well, I want to tell you, I've played with you, and I've seen you play. If we're ever playing in a 3-5 tournament, I want you as my partner. Yeah, <laughs> that's good to hear. That's good to yeah, hear. Yeah. I, yeah, I... For anyone out there, I, I do play higher than 3-5, than but that's the joke everyone will All tell right. you. So, but on that order, now, so as you're a, you're a, a younger guy, mm -hmm. you've made a dynamic impression in the sport, what do you see as the future for yourself in this space? Yeah, I mean, my goal is I want to provide the most in-depth powder reviews out of anyone out there. I think to do powder reviews, it's, it really is a lot of work. People don't realize how much time goes into it. You know, I try and spend around two weeks with a paddle if I can, and then after that, you have to script your thoughts. Every time you play, you're noting things. Script the video, edit the video, post the video, and even just in posting, like distribution, there's a lot of things you have to do to get that video out there. And so my goal is like, keep doing that, probably start a website, start having written content, and basically just become like, if someone wants to know about a paddle and they want a source of information that they know is just going to tell them how it is, that'll be me, is my goal. Very cool, very cool. And then, and then as a player, what would you like to see different change? Is there anything that you'd like to see or you think the sport would benefit from in terms of rethinking the future? Yeah, I mean, the only thing that immediately comes to mind is I'd love to just see more courts. You know, I'd love to see when people come to like the venue we're at right now is amazing. There is what feels essentially like unlimited amounts of courts. It'd be nice if when we go to tournaments, we're not playing on tennis courts with taped lines. Like as a player, that would be an amazing thing. But I think I just want to keep seeing more people get into this in the year I've been into it. Way more people my age have started playing. When I started, I was mostly playing with people 20, 30 or more years older than me, which is great. I love it, but it's been fun to see people my age or even younger get into it like teenagers has been awesome. Yeah. Um, have you been, I'm, well, I know you're following every aspect of the sport. Any idea whether there's going to be an MLP franchise in Minneapolis or the St. Paul area? I haven't heard of anything, but that would be awesome. We have a lot of really good players in Minnesota. It's kind of a, people told me when I started, Minnesota's a really good state for pickleball, both in amount of courts, players, and good players, and I didn't believe them. I just thought, like, just Minnesota, six months of our year, it's like freezing cold, there's, there's no way. But as I've traveled around, we really do have a, a lot of courts for the amount of people that are playing, and then just numbers of good players. Our 5-0 area is stacked, and now we finally have people dipping into the pro bracket, and I think 
we would make a pretty good MLP team very, if we were going to have one. Very cool. Well, my understanding, or, and maybe it's a fantasy, but my understanding or fantasy is that one of the things that the, is going to come out of the MLP, and particularly now that they've merged, is that they're, they're going to establish what cities they're going to set up their teams in, and that should lead to specific facilities for them to host their events. Um, facilities are going to be our challenge. We know that. Yeah. Uh, it's easy to talk about 40 million players in 2030, but where are we going to have courts for that? We've got to get yeah. moving. With 5 million players, you already show up at your court. Sometimes our local courts that has eight, you have 60 people waiting in the thing, you know? Right. So it's, right. the courts definitely need to catch up with the amount of players. So how much traveling do you do in your role with Pickleball Studio and tournaments? Yeah, it's picked up a lot recently, you know, as the channel has gotten bigger and I've become more known, it, it's become very valuable for me to be at these tournaments. So with uh, Nationals, I made it in as a player. If I didn't make it in as a player, I probably wouldn't have come here. But my goal in 2023 is even if I'm not necessarily competing, I'd like to make it to these. Either whether I'm shooting content for other brands and I'm making some money that way, or it's my own stuff. But moving forward, my goal is going to be put as much of my effort into my own brand as possible because now that I see it's growing and people just keep asking for more, I don't have enough time in my day to even keep up with the Pickleball Studio stuff, let alone everyone else's stuff. So trying to really hone in on that. So my last question that we have here today is, is as we, as we move forward in this space, we see the Pickleball Studio growing and moving, you're showing up at more tournaments, what do you think we're going to see in the next year or two from a mid-20s, late-20s guy like yourself? Where do you think see it happening? Uh, just as a player or content or? Both ways. Both. I mean, as a player, my goal is to be as good as possible. It only makes, it only helps my brand. You know, if I'm a good player, people trust my opinion even more. So I want to keep improving. I think it would be amazing one day if I could play in a pro event. I also realized that making the content you don't have as much time to practice but content wise i mean i'm going to go as hard as i can in 2023 and really try and solidify like he is very relevant in pickleball and stay up to date with everything like i don't want to stagnate and just kind of fizzle out i want to be on top of it as much as i can very cool ladies and gentlemen i told you we were going to have a cool one today this is the younger end of the Olsen category. I'm the older end of the Olsen category. <laughs> Chris, thank you very much for your time. Thanks for having me on.